Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Here we go, Soccer Morning, live on a Tuesday. Backheel.com on the air, or so I'm told. I don't actually hit the button to make me go on the air. I just talk into the microphone and send the, the audio signal down the line, and then it gets processed somewhere, I think in the brain of Trevor Hayward, and then it's spat out into the internet world, and you can partake in it. Today is a big show, good show for you, lined up. Jonathan Tannewald, the goalkeeper on Twitter, man from Philly.com, will join us in just a bit. We'll go over the Philadelphia Union, his hometown team, well, the team he covers in Philadelphia. Philly's not actually his hometown, but I'm sure he would call himself a Philadelphian at this point. Hi, Jonathan. We will, uh, we will talk about the union with Jonathan. Perhaps we'll talk about TV as well. Jonathan is our man with his finger on the pulse of the MLS TV situation. I've got questions about national TV. I've got questions about local TV. Maybe he can help me fix my TV at home. I, I don't know. Many things possible with Jonathan Tannewald coming up. We will also take your phone calls. As per usual, opportunity for you to get in on many different things, including the crest, because we didn't really take calls here on the crest, right, yesterday? This is what happens to me, okay, just to to pull back the curtain a little bit on the way soccer morning goes Monday through Friday. As most of you know, as I'm sure all of you know, we do this show from 9 to 10 plus a.m. Eastern time every day. Then I take a, a short break, usually 45 minutes or so, get myself together, put together a rundown, and do two hours on Sirius XM FC Channel 85, which you should listen to if you are not already. Sometimes news will break between shows, in the middle of shows, during the first show, and then I'll talk about it on the second show, or it'll, have, it'll break on the second show, and I missed it on the first show because it wasn't out yet, and then the next day I'll have no remembrance, no no actual clue which show I talked about which thing on, and we have to go back and, and I have to, to take a look and make sure that I'm not covering the same ground. So, I don't think we took calls on the crest. <laughs> if we did, my apologies. We'll do that again. We'll take calls on anything today. Uh, including Copa America Centenario Times, which are now in stone and out. Jonathan Tannewald also with that information. Here we go. With the news, running it down before John joins us in a couple of minutes. CONCACAF Champions League tonight, an opportunity for D.C. United and the L.A. Galaxy to turn over, well, not to turn over deficits, except in the case of D.C. United. Uh, L.A. Galaxy are 0-0. Let's start. D.C. United hosting Carretero. They're down to nothing after that first leg. That's 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2. Uh, this is interesting, if only because you wonder how upset the, U- the United players are going to be after they had cash and their phones stolen out of the locker room in Cretro. Now, I imagine that's not the players, it's not the Mexican players' fault, but it is, it is funny. Uh, nobody likes to get their phones stolen, said Ben Olsen. It's a huge part of all of our lives. It's like someone stole your dog. It's a really good quote from Ben Olsen. Uh, no, no bearing on the game, but I thought I'd throw it in there. Uh, very, very questionable whether DC and I can turn this over, uh, but they will have a chance at home. The LA Galaxy, meanwhile, I've traveled to Torreon, uh, where that series is tied 0-0 with Santos Laguna. Second leg matchup, 10 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2. Obviously, an away goal could be the difference here. If they can draw 1-1, they will go through. Uh, they have their full complement of, of, of uh, attacking weapons. And meanwhile, Santos is not playing very well. So perhaps there's a chance here for the LA Galaxy. 
Arsenal's Alex Ox. Let me try that one more time. It's a lot of A's. Arsenal's Alex Oxlade Chamberlain will miss six to eight weeks with a knee injury that does not require surgery. That's according to manager Arsene Wenger. Oxlade Chamberlain has sustained the injury in a class with Javier Mascherano in the first half of Arsenal's 2 0 defeat to Barcelona in the Champions League last week. Uh, in addition to the Oxlade Chamberlain injury news, Wenger has uh, decided to criticize the critics. Calling his, uh, calling Arsenal's critics too emotional. I've never, I'm never surprised by the criticism that comes. That's part of the media today. The opinions are always a bit excessive and emotional, but we have to deal with that. I don't, I don't complain about that. What we want to do is transform the negatives around us into positives and create even more solidarity. Let's not go overboard. We do not play to avoid being relegated. We play to fight for the premiership. And that's why we have to, we have to put the criticism into the right place. This obviously comes in the aftermath of that weak performance at Old Trafford on the weekend, where they lost to a uh, a weakened Manchester United side three uh, two, a loss that significantly damaged their title hopes as Leicester City remains in first place. Organizers have announced the kickoff times for the Copa America Centenario games this summer. I mentioned that USA kicks off against Colombia. In their opener at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday, June 3rd. That game's in Santa Clara, so that's uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm sorry, uh, Pacific time, a uh, local time. The second day of the tournament, actually, that Saturday, June 4th, features three games. I think it's the only day with three games. Uh, 5 p.m., 7.30 p.m., and 10 p.m. Uh, so that's uh, that's fun. Let me see what those games are because I, I didn't write them down. Costa Rica, Paraguay in Orlando at 5. Haiti and Peru in Seattle at 7.30. And Brazil, Ecuador, and Pasadena. At 10 o'clock, imagine that'll be a full house there to see Brazil play. Former PSG man Ezekiel Lavetsi says he turned down Inter Milan, Manchester United, and Chelsea to make his move to Hubei, China fortune in the Chinese Super League. Uh, believe him if you want to. I, I don't know. The 30-year-old uh, Argentinian said he wanted to join the project in China. He's fascinated by Chinese culture. Uh, he also admitted that moving to China probably brings his international career to an end. He played 48 times for Argentina. European games today, there's actually a, quite a few games, including five in England. Bournemouth, Southampton, Villa, Everton, Leicester City, and West Brom, with Leicester give, uh, having a chance to extend their lead in the, chan- in the Premier League title race, excuse me, to five points, at least temporarily, uh, if they can beat West Brom, as you might expect them to. Norwich and Chelsea, and Sunderland versus Crystal Palace. You also have two games in Spain, Atletico Madrid uh, versus uh, Real Sociedad, Las Palmas versus Getafe, and in Germany, Ingolstadt takes on Cologne and Hanover takes on Wolfsburg uh, in the Bundesliga. All right, there we go. Let's take a break. We will come back. We will talk to our man, uh, Jonathan Tannenwald from Philly.com. The goalkeeper returns when we come back. Soccer morning, backheel.com. All right, guys, I know some of you have been frustrated uh, trying to buy tickets online. So uh, most sites are overly complicated. They try to sneak in huge fees at the checkout. You know how that goes. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. I took a look at SeatGeek, put it on my phone. They got Beyonce tickets for 89 bucks. I mean, I go see Beyonce for $89. It's the only place I ever go to look for tickets for a game or a concert. 
And you need to do this because SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place. So you save some time. You never miss a deal. You even set alerts for upcoming events. SeatGeek will let you know if the prices go down. And even better, every ticket at SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. So you can immediately find underpriced seats. Before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. You know what you're getting. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about their prices. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish, never surprises you with fees at checkout. And our listeners here at Soccer Morning are going to get $20 in a rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, this is what you do. Download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, enter the promo code MORNING. M-O-R-N-I-N-G. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks and after you after you made your first purchase. So download the free SeatGeek app today in our promo code MORNING. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. We're back on Soccer Morning uh, Tuesday. Joining us now via Skype, our good friend Jonathan Tannewald, who you can find on Twitter, at the goalkeeper. He is a must-follow ahead of the MLS uh, season. Uh, he covers the Union and MLS and uh, many other soccer topics at Philly.com, in addition to his other duties, because he's a well-rounded individual. Hi, John. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine. I'm running this poll this morning that I'm having a lot of fun with. Okay. Uh, Okay. Is it is is it is it is it really important? Is it important stuff? Well, it is. Which of these will be the official cause of the end of the world? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sounds it sounds really important. Yes, it's a poll. It's on my Twitter feed. You can go and vote in it. The uh, choices, and they are the only choices, are bad design and lack of pro-rail. <laughs> which one will cause the end of the world? Lack yes. of pro- promotion or relegation, or bad design? Obviously, a reference to uh, not only our system here in the United States as to our operation of the uh, the soccer leagues but also you know that crust that dropped uh yesterday and maybe we'll talk about the, the crust I, i'll be curious to know what you make of the response but um we've got actual soccer actually no i got a question before you the, okay. the crest related all right did you receive a box no i didn't okay i'm I just, in the mainstream media why would i ever, i you know i i don't, I, care. I, Look, I don't care about getting the stuff like that but i'm in the mainstream media so i did not expect to receive a box okay what does that mean exactly what well, you're in the mainstream media what does that mean well, didn't they send the box to fans primarily and bloggers yes, but, but and I know, influencers? I know Andrew Doss got one. Well, they said the Times got one. But. Yeah, well, okay, I guess because it's the Times, of course. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not, Trevor got one. Well, he's an influencer. I didn't get one. I have a room full, you have a room full of scarves. I've seen you do video where you have a room full of scarves. I have a room full of scarves. I would happily display said scarf. That- that means you've made it in the mainstream media. Congratulations. <laughs> I, some, I've made something. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe they didn't like some of the things I said. That could happen. I don't know. I hope not. Anyway, uh, you know, it's neither here nor there whether I received a scarf or, or saw the crest before it was actually unveiled. It is unveiled now. We'll, we'll come to it. Um, I want to talk about your local team first. Um, okay. the, the Philadelphia Union, and you've heard me, you, you know, you've heard me put them in a box before as, as sort of, um, you know, lower middle class MLS team. Uh, that's not a bad thing necessarily. And we've seen teams in that sort of area, 
compete and compete well in this league and, and even win titles in this league. It wasn't that long ago the Colorado Rapids won a title. And maybe the league's changed a lot, uh, but there's supposed to be hope every new season. Give me the give me where hope sits right now with with Ernie Stewart on the job with C- Jim Curtin still there, and with whatever the union are working with in 2016. Uh, uh, give me a minute. <laughs> There's not a lot. I mean, look, I, I'm very fond of Ernie Stewart. I think that in time, he has the ability and the intelligence to build this organization into an organization of the caliber of Portland. Okay. Um, that's got to be the goal. Or Columbus is another good example. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That, those that, are exactly the kind to, of clubs if, I'm talking about, right? I mean, if they, right. If they can do it, there's no reason why Philadelphia can't. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the, and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you'd be the first one to point this out when people start to, uh, despite the fact that I've labeled that, labeled Philadelphia that kind of club, despite the fact that they do sort of slot in, in terms of maybe resources alongside a Columbus and, and a Portland, they are in a much larger market. Not that market means everything in soccer, John, but they are in a much larger market than either one of those teams and should be able to maximize that opportunity to be a big club. I don't know. Is it fair to judge the union by their inability to be a big club? Or sure. Sh- okay. All right. Go well, ahead. Well, it's, it's fair. It's fair to judge the union by their inability that if they are not going to have institutionally the amount of wealth of other clubs that they need to make up for that with intelligence that they historically haven't had. And it's the same thing that's killed Chicago, you know, time and again in recent years. The union and the fire are similar in so many ways. Um, I suppose at this point, the biggest difference between the two is that there's not a former MLS, uh, GM, uh, with various motivations trying to build an NASL team in Center City, Philadelphia. I imagine if, uh, well, I, mean, I wonder, excuse me, not imagine, but I wonder if, uh, uh, if, if that's an idea somebody might have. Not obviously not uh, with the uh, the resume. I, uh, I think Peter there Will, are people but. in the NASL who'd love to have it. And if they <laughs> want me on their back, you know, chasing after their financial records, then that might be their fault. Oh come on, John! Don't that, don't don't don't. Okay, whatever. Don't try to scare them off. It makes everything more interesting for us if, if things like that happen. Anyway, there is one team in Philadelphia or one team in the Philadelphia market. Um, you know, coming back. In fact, I, I since you since you did bring up the fire. I mentioned this on my, my, my satellite show yesterday and didn't have a chance to do it here. I, I went to Chicago this past weekend. Um, not for any particular reason, just sort of on a lark. Um, and I, I did find myself with some free time. So I went into the city. I wasn't staying in the city. I was staying near the airport. And I went into the city. I went to the Globe. You saw me tweet about the Globe, John. Um, I did, yes. It's very, a great place. Very nice place. It wasn't really jumping on Saturday. It was pretty bad soccer across the board. All the good games were on Sunday. Uh, but it, still, I, I enjoyed it. Had a couple beers. Then I made my my way over uh, to this place called the Fire Pitch. I can't remember the name of the bank that sponsors it, but it's yeah. um, you know it's a soccer nice facility. It's a, have you been there? Yeah, I have. Yes. Okay. Have you? I went there the last time I was there. Okay. Um, they they've got this right now. There's a bubble up, and it's got so it's indoor. You know, it's 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 protected from the elements. Uh, fields that they are renting out to local uh, soccer clubs. In fact, there's also some flag football that was happening when I was there. Um, I've been told that they're going to take it down. It's going to be outdoor during the during the, the summer, the spring and summer months, and it should be great. It's going to come right up to the to the window of the restaurant that they've got there. And it's clear that Chicago is making a very conscious effort, John, to reach into parts of. I mean, when I say Chicago, the fire are are taking 
um, big steps to reach into parts of Chicago that they might not have a reach now that they're out in Bridgeview. Um, they have a, you know, a nice stadium, but it's not centrally located. It's not what people in Chicago would consider Chicago by any stretch. So they feel the need to be on the north side, which is, again, pretty far removed from where their stadium is. They also have a program called Pub to Pitch, where people can go to places like the Globe and get on a bus and get taken over to the stadium to watch the fire. Um, Philly do anything like that? No, not well. There's one, there's one bar in town that, that at least use, uh, two maybe. One or two that have done them over the years. I don't know if they Right, but do. because of the club or because of the fans? Or the, because or of the fans. The, that, right. Not at the, no, they the have, team does not organize that stuff, and they've got a new... It's funny. They've got a new business guy in charge of that side of the operation now named Tim McDermott, uh, who came over from uh, the 76ers. And as bad as they are, uh, their marketing campaign and their social media strategy are brilliant. And if he can do some of that for the union, it will pay a lot of dividends. And uh, even I, who do not spend a lot of time or energy rooting for that team, hope that he is successful in that. Well, I mean, it just occurs to me, and, and I, I, you know, I'm learning. I, I'm not going to pretend like I know how every team markets themselves. I certainly don't. I, I've seen Chicago a little bit. Spent, a, you know, again, spent a day there, talked to some people, et cetera, et cetera. It's a really Really great place to be. And, and, but, but, you know, in terms of whether or not the fire can be successful in the city of Chicago, again, if they were completely successful, there'd be no room for Peter Will to walk in and think he can start an ASL team that would be successful, uh, playing at Soldier Field, which obviously the fire used to be there. So, so it's, it's interesting to watch them make these attempts. And I have no idea if they're going to be completely successful. I do know that having the fire brand all over that part of, of the North Side is probably good for them on some level. Um, it, it, it just makes me wonder if a team like Philadelphia in just as competitive a sports market, uh, because of the, 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 because of the loyalty that the, uh, that the Eagles and the Phillies and the Flyers engender, the 76ers to a lesser extent these days, I guess. I don't know. Um, whether or not they are not copying, cause I, I don't, I don't know, but have some sort of, notion of how to grab the rest of philadelphia beyond the sons of ben and the, and the hardcore soccer fans well they well it's funny you say that because in the previous administration they did not get the hardcore soccer fan they got the sons of ben and all the suburban families but they did not get the hardcore okay. soccer fan. well there you go i mean that's uh that's the question about how to do that now again and i as i, I said this to people in chicago um, you can, you can have pub to pitch. You can market your team at this restaurant and this, the, this facility on the north side. You can, uh, you can have a community outreach all over the place. You can have, uh, players doing appearances. Um, you, you can send, uh, you know, you have kids doing camps and everything else, but it sends a butt coming. If you don't win games, yep. it doesn't matter. Yep. So if the Philadelphia Union want to grab attention in Philly, they got to win games. And, and as you said, maybe there's not a whole lot. It, I mean, can 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 union fans at least look at this team and say we're in we're going in the right direction? I mean, I would think that Ernie Stewart's presence alone would be enough to make me feel better. But when you look at the roster, can you say I see what's being I see where they're trying to go? Oh yeah, I definitely see where they're trying to go. And the funny thing is, they're going dramatically away from the sort of young and American strategy they had under the previous regime. And they've gone out, you know, their big signings this year have all been international, or almost all. Um, the big two are Roland Alberg and uh, Elsinio, mm-hmm. the midfielders who are going to line up on either side of Tranquilo Barnetta. And that, that 
plus Vincent Noguera and Maurice Adu behind them, uh, is going to be pretty good. And the question is going to be whether C.J. Sapon can finish all the chances they create. Yeah, here's my he question. Can, and he can score a lot of goals this year. Well, okay, uh, I I like C.J. Obviously, you know, he, he made something of a mark in his in his in his first year in in Kansas City, although. It's, he's been, you know, blown out of the water in terms of rookie goal scoring by what we saw Kyle Lahren do last year. Um, I, I think he can be good, but I don't know that he's MLS elite at this point. No, so, and, so and I don't think he is either, but I, and I think we'll find out come the summer. You know, if he gets on a hot streak in the first half of the season, even if he is, and I look, the comparison to a degree is going to be to Jack McInerney. It's not entirely fair, but Jack McInerney, you know, when that one, you know, six or seven month stretch where he scored like 12 goals or something like that and ended up on the Gold Cup team. Remember that? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. He scored a lot of goals and I sort of called him the goal scorer by default. Yeah. Uh, CJ Sapong's a better player than that. I'm not saying he is of a level of David Akam, you know, or. Certainly not Bradley Wright Phillips, obviously, but uh, picked various, you know, what, what, okay. mid upper level strikers in Major League Soccer. I'm not saying CJ Sapong is there, but I certainly think that he has a chance. He has the ability to finish all of these chances okay. that are going to be created. Uh, okay, for. okay. Well, well, certainly time will tell. And, and, and I don't again. I don't want to say that that CJ Sapong's a, a a bad player. Certainly not. Um, they, they and and there needs to be chances. Now they did trade away Christian Maidana so that. There's going to be, you believe there's going to be chances created by the group that they've got now yep. on the same sort oh, yeah. of level Definitely. as Madonna? Okay. Yeah. Now, now, the, prob the problem is that Maidana and Barnetta were doing the same thing. Okay. I see. All right. Um, it, it's just that Maidana was so, you know, he was so successful in chance creation that was, it was sort of surprising even with Barnetta in the team to see him, to see him flipped to, to Houston. Now, just, just real quickly. If we're going to judge CJ Sapong, and he can, he, as you said, he has the ability to finish the chances. But when you look at just, let's just take the Eastern Conference here, because the midfield strong, okay? And, and whether or not Ilsenio is going to be, um, disciplined enough, uh, to play in, in as many games as the Union want is a question that's coming out of the, the preseason, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, it is. You obviously got a, a back line. You got Andre Blake now being asked to, to carry the load. As the goalkeeper, at least there's a, some some semblance of of con consistency at the goalkeeper position. But if you look at the West, at the Eastern Conference, um, really Philly is. I mean, CJ Sapong is, and what Philadelphia has it forward. If you want to go to to a, a little bit of a bigger picture, it's not better than Columbus. It's not better than Montreal. It's not better than New England. It's not better than New York. It's not better than the Red Bulls. It's not better than Toronto. It's not better than Orlando. It might be better than the Fire, maybe, unless you throw in David Akam. So they're, 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 I mean, I'm not saying CJ Sapong can't succeed, John, but when you look at where they fit into an Eastern Conference as they try to battle for a, a playoff spot, fifth or sixth place. Oh, I don't think, I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. Okay. Okay. Um, and I know your, your, uh, prediction bonanza show is coming up one of these days. And if, uh -huh. you know, Friday. I don't know anybody who's going to put them in the playoffs. No, probably not. And, 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 but this is MLS and, and, and things can change very quickly and we can see some surprises. And I guess that's what I was trying to to get to is if there is a chance, maybe why is there a chance? Because CJ Sapong's on the verge of a breakout. Because uh, Barnetta and 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 these guys are going to create chances. Because 
Is there enough? Is there enough in the back line, John? Is there enough depth in this team? I, Sapong's going to have to carry them until the summer transfer window if they have any hope of doing anything. Then they have to go out and get a backup to Maurice Adu and a top caliber striker. And they might have to go out and get a left back also. Striker and left back are the two positions that have just bedeviled this organization from their beginning, almost. Certainly left back since they traded Jordan Harvey. They haven't had one since then. And striker is the big money position, and they've never spent. Right. Is you know, is the the highest-profile striker they ever bought was Carlos Ruiz. Is, um, is Herbert going to be asked to actually play and, and score goals? I think for a while he will be. Again, I don't know what, what this team will do in the summer. Um, but I, I think for the time being, you know, Herbert, Herbert is going to be Sapong's backup. I think that's going to think, that's how things are going to start. Yeah. And from there, we'll see. Okay. I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to, I was trying to look up the roster. I ended up on Wikipedia, which who knows how, how accurate that is. Um, well, here's the thing that, that I have in the back of my mind. They start the season in Dallas, which might just be this, one of the single worst teams in Major League Soccer they could possibly go up against. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're going to have people who don't pay attention to the union or to soccer, including a great many of my colleagues in my office, who watch this game to say, all right, it's the union's first game of the season. We have to pay some modicum of attention and get it in the paper. And they get thumped. Yeah, and but, 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 pay this, attention but this is what you say. You say this is... You know, this is the, this, <laughs> you, you say something like, um, you know, this is the Eagles playing the Patriots on opening day. You don't expect them to win, right? Right? What, I'm only allowed to say, I'm only, when I, when I am asked by my colleagues, are they going to win or lose? I'm allowed a two second answer. I'm not allowed a justification. <laughs> okay. Oh, come on. All right. I, I, I'm looking, okay. I'm looking at this roster. And, and, and I asked you about the defending. And I, man, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, the opening days on Sunday, they're, they're probably not going to get anybody in between now and then. But, you know, they've got two, they've got two, uh, rookies in this team. Ro- uh, Rosenberry and Yarrow. Uh, Taylor Washington, Ken Tribbett, uh, Ray Gaddis, we know. Tribbett might start. Okay. Tribbett. Um, and he's got some USL experience. He was originally going to go to Bethlehem and they liked him so much. That they signed him to a senior contract. Okay, so what does this back line look like? Who's in the middle? Trebet, I'm I'm guessing Trebet and Anderson Constantchow. Okay, Trebet the right sided center back, Constantchow the left sided center back. So we basically uh, know nothing about the the Philadelphia Union center backs in an MLS context. We have nothing to go on. We're gonna have pretty to, much. Okay, we're gonna find out on because, opening because day because Maurice Adu's not playing center back this year. Right, exactly, and and, and the, the, the okay. Wow. Goodness gracious, they're going to be fun to watch, regardless of how they do, John. I, I think, and, and I, you know, I root for Ernie Stewart, and I, and I root for, for Jim Curtin. I mean, I, uh, I put Jim Curtin in my hot seat only because he's not Ernie's guy, necessarily. You know, Ernie didn't get to hire his own coach, and, and that's always a tricky situation. It, it, what are the prospects that we might see a change? Again, not wishing Jim Curtin gets fired, but, if things don't go well, it do, it's not going to take much justification for Ernie to say, well, he's not my guy. I need, I need somebody who's my guy. Well, some of your most famous listeners in the Philadelphia area are not uh, Jim Curtin fans. So if they make a lot of noise, 
I don't know whether they're still union season ticket holders or not, but, um, you know, some of the people who you and I know well who call into the show often, I know are not Jim Curtin fans. So, okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I have said for a long time now, if Jim Curtin had the financial resources that the Red Bulls and the Whitecaps had, if he would be as good a coach as Carl Robinson and Jesse Marsh. And that if you flip that and put Jesse Marsh or Carl Robinson into Jim Curtin's seat with the amount of resources that the union historically had, they would not be held in high, as an, in as right. high regard as they are now. Yeah, but just down the road, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's a different thing. And certainly there's legacy and, 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 uh, um, some sort of semblance of how to do this built into the organization. But just down the road, Ben Olsen is getting it done. Is he? Well, he, 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 he turned what was a questionable roster into at least a playoff team and then, and therefore something resembling an MLS Cup contender. I mean, ultimately, DC United never has enough to get over the hump, but they're competitive. They finished first in the East in 2014, John. I see, right, which put, which, but last year, I see them to recall the Red Bulls handling them fairly straightforwardly in the playoffs. No, this is true. I, again. And that the, the carryover from that 2014 team and the allocation money that they got out of that and then went to the Champions League and all these other things. And remember that what we're watching in the Champions League is delayed by a year or whatever it is yes. from whatever those teams were, you know, qualifying off their MLS results. That's a good point, though. Yeah, and DC so, DC got uh, they got some some extra help coming out of 2013 because that was such a disastrous year. So, um, in terms of finishing last and and whatever benefit they got from that, and obviously they were they had won the U.S. Open Cup, so they got the Champions League uh, allocation money despite finishing last. So, okay, fine. I guess I guess probably uh, Philadelphia has been working with uh, with less than DC, if only because oh, yeah. just Absolutely. like DC, they're not spending on the DP side. Right, and 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 this this is an organization that has blown everything up except the head coach and Sebastian Latou and Maurice Adu, for the most part. And Latou's not going to be a starter now. Finally. Well, that's, uh, that, that is, I mean, at, at this point, considering his age, look, I know the guy has been a, um, a work weight marvel for most of his career. And that's really what's, what's driven his success. But, you know, it was pretty clear last year that, that if they're going to rely on Sebastian Latou, they're never going to get back to the playoffs and, and be the team they want to be. And they have a front office that is not going to sign players because they're popular with the fans. They're going to sign players or let them go because of their talent. Well, that's, and that's the right way to go. I mean, obviously that's the right way to go. Um, and, and despite, you know, despite teams in Philadelphia being probably more populous than most, uh, sports franchises, John, you need somebody who's removed from that, uh, from that culture in order to make the, the decisions that are going to best. And I'll tell you what, they aren't, they aren't so much anymore. And the populism is changing as the demographics of this place change. Mm-hmm. And what the Flyers and the Phillies are doing. Who have, you know, the Phillies of the last, oh boy, seven, eight, nine, ten years under their previous general managers, they've got a new one now. And the Flyers, who, you know, they, the, the Phillies were holding on to their old guys for too long. And the Flyers, under, you know, any number of general managers going back decades before the one they have now, were trying to bring back the Broad Street Bullies of the 70s. Neither of them are doing that anymore. They're all in on their young prospects. Many of them are pretty good. Okay. Uh, John, and we'll see what Beth, we'll, we'll, in that, how that translates to the union is we will see what now that they've got Bethlehem Steel up there, 
we will see just how good the players up there are becoming. How many of them we see in Philadelphia? Okay, by the end of the okay, okay. Hey, look, Philly do, is doing some interesting things. I, I mean, I, I don't know how Ernie views, you know, the uh, the academy situation, the high school, the, the things that the, that the union had built under Sakavich, but we, we shall see if they do pay off any dividends. And, and I hope, I hope Ernie, and I imagine that this is the case, is going to get a pretty long leash in fixing the problems. Now, uh, I do have John O'Connell, I'm sorry, O'Donnell, excuse me, John, John O'Donnell on Twitter who's calling, who's, who's suggesting that Ricky Marquez, uh, Richie Marquez is going to get the start at center back instead. Of, he might. Okay. He uh, might. Yeah. They've got, they have got more than two starting caliber center backs, which they have not well, always They're, they're not going to throw Yarrow to the Wolves then? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, which, I mean, look, we've seen young, I mean, obviously Matt Miazga is an exceptional case, and he came out of their academy up in New York rather than coming out of college, but Yarrow's got a lot of faith from a lot of people. I'm not saying he's a, a surefire all-star type player down the line, but but there is a lot of ex- expectations for him. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And and I think he will get his playing time eventually. I just don't think he's going to get it right out of the gate. Okay. Uh, John, let's, uh, one of the other things that you cover for, uh, you cover very well is, is the, the television sist- uh, situation when it comes to Major League Soccer. Uh, and, and, and I, as we enter a new season, year number two of, um, of MLS's n- national television deal, obviously blowing the doors off the thing on opening day. With, I'm uh, very excited about that. With part. every team playing on Sunday, obviously, uh, you know, again, three games across those three national partners, ESPN, Fox Sports, and Univision. Um, you know, just give me a, as, as we come into year two, give me a sense of, of how you think they think things are going, both from a league level and a broadcaster level. Look, I think they're trying to, they're trying to do more things this year. They're always trying to do things to raise the ratings. They're, the people at ESPN and Fox and Univision care deeply about Major League Soccer's success. And I know I've offended a lot of people by saying that. But they do. And they're trying things to have more attractive matchups at better times and find the sweet spot as to you know how these things are going to go. I don't know what kind of a rating the Portland-Columbus game is going to draw. I do think the Seattle-Kansas City game will draw well. And I got to tell you, on Sunday, the thing I'm most excited about is having this free show on on Major League Soccer's website and ESPN3 and Fox Sports Go that's jumping around all the games that are getting played in the afternoon. I think that could be a smashing success. Um, but I'm looking, I'm looking at, um, you know, games in the early season. I think the, I think that. Pret- Potentially, the entity that's going to come out of this best in the early season is Unimas. Because they got some big games right out of the gate. They've got New England against the Red Bulls. They've got on March 18th, they've got New York City against Orlando at Yankee Stadium on a Friday night at 7 o'clock. That could do a huge number. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Sunday, April 10th, a quadruple header of games on ESPN and Fox, including a U.S. women's game that's going to be here mm-hmm. uh, in Chester. I'm looking at, where's that rivalry weekend? Oh, right. Uh, Saturday, May 21st. I'm looking at four games on Fox over the air this year, which I'm very excited about. I did not expect there to be games on over the air television, maybe even at all in this contract, much less after just one year. May 21st, Fox over the air is having a doubleheader of the FA Cup final in the first Hudson River Derby of the year. Uh, yeah, that could be big. It could absolutely be big. 
when when so, there, go I've ahead. got the the whole I've got the whole national TV schedule up at philly.com slash MLS TV. There you go. That's pretty simple. Uh, five uh, letters, all you need. Uh, yeah. I, I need to take a look at that. I'm, I'm not always good at, at, at being aware of when things are coming up. And, and certainly, uh, again, you know, you think that it, it, it might take, it might take a number of years. Um, you know, the hardcore are going to find the games. We, we always know that, but the hardcore are not enough to make a dent in the ratings, John. It's going to take casual fans. They don't like to hear that. It's going to take, uh, it's going to take, it's not even that it takes, more than the hardcore it takes hardcore out of market right it takes this this still is very much a local league you you care about your team and nobody else or you care about your team and maybe your your most hated rival but then are you watching your rivals games if your team's not playing that's a, a an open question that mls has to to figure out and they've got a guy in charge who uh you know is involved in the most successful national tv product in the history of of, of sports how do they get there? I mean, I, I mean, you know, I'm not sure you don't have the answers, or they have they'd have hired you by now. But how do, how does <laughs> I'm not M- sure I want to work for them? But. Okay, well, how does MLS figure out a way to make their league more appealing to a national audience rather than just to the local? To me, it's fans? pretty simple. Put your biggest teams and your biggest players on national television as much as possible, and if people in Columbus complain, too bad. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the thing about this league right now is the most vocal fans, the, the most ardent fans, the people who really do make the league go and are, 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 you know, deserving of credit for being passionate are the fans that are going to complain the most when you put NYCFC and the Red Bulls and the Galaxy and Seattle on TV all the time. And wait until next year when Atlanta comes in and when the LAFC comes in the year after that. Okay. So I, I mean, for a long time, I had to, not li- had to listen. I did listen to to somebody we both know out in Salt Lake City consistently complain about the lack of RSL on national television. And and you know for well, little- some of the people who were complaining about the lack of RSL on national television used to work at MLS headquarters, so they uh, know the truth. You, uh, of course they do, and and I understand their advocacy for their team. I mean, ultimately that that's the job. Uh, but was there a point? Is, is there a point to uh, not now? Obviously, RSL has changed, but. At the time, it was RSL plays the best soccer in MLS. They play they play attractive ball on the ground soccer. They buck the 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 the, the um, perception that MLS is only uh, fast and athletic in Route One all the time, it, it, or or too direct or whatever the the soccer snobs, whatever whatever criticism they want to level at MLS. Is there a benefit to putting teams on television who play better soccer? I don't think people want to watch Columbus and Dallas. And boy, did we all try last year to convince them that it was worth doing, but they just wouldn't. Is okay. So that's that's a truth right now. Um, and Dallas is Dallas is going to be the really fascinating one this year to me. Columbus, at least, you know, people have heard of some of the players by now a little more than they had before, and they made the final and they hosted the final. Yeah, Dallas is an incredibly fun team to watch. They've got a lot of really great young talent. Will people watch them? And that's a huge market, by the way. Yeah, look, let's let's be clear about this. People should watch them. People from people in Dallas should watch well, them, which okay. is a huge. And you know who else should watch them? And they might actually be watching them now. The staff of the Dallas Morning News, which used to not even bother putting them in the paper. I'm thrilled they hired John Arnold. To come yeah, by the way, yeah, that, you just mentioned that John Arnold, uh, who we who we both know very well and has been covering. Soccer and he's Concacaf John on uh, on BBC Five Lives um, uh, World Football phone in. 
Uh, last time I checked, I haven't listened in a while, John. Um, he's been, as you said, he's been hired by the Dallas Morning News. So that, that is a step in the right direction. Uh, I, but, and I'll come to local issues, but yeah, let's be clear that while we, while we, um, we are saying that it's, it's probably best for MLS to continue to put on the, the biggest markets and the biggest stars. People absolutely should watch Dallas. I mean, it shouldn't, this should not be an issue, but this is not the NFL and this isn't major college football where it doesn't, almost doesn't matter who you put on television. People are going to watch. Uh, when the MLS is not to that point yet. And, and maybe on some level, it's sort of unfortunate that Dallas, I mean, it's good for them and they're, they're successful and I'm not questioning their, re- their recipe, John, but maybe it's bad for the league that they're not involved in, in some gigantic big name DP. Probably is bad for the rest of the league, but I, you know, if I don't know how else to say this than how I'm going to, so I'm just going to say it. If Fabian Castillo was American, he'd be a superstar. And he ought to be, and never mind the whole complexity about how the American players play. He ought to be a superstar, full stop, mm-hmm. now in MLS. He should and be. He yeah. not. No. No. Well, I mean, look, we could put, we could poke holes in, in, in the state of the America, uh, the American soccer fan base forever, we could certainly, you know, poke holes in what MLS has going on. And we're, we're not here to, to denigrate necessarily, just sort of pointing out some of the troubles when it comes to television. Um, before I, 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 I need to go and, and start taking some photos. Let's throw this at you real quick. Okay, go ahead. Toronto FC's on American TV five times this year and Montreal's on TV three times this year after not being on TV much the last couple seasons at all. Uh-huh. Because the production costs up there are so high. Uh-huh. And we're then- gonna f- we're gonna find out whether the American fans are really gonna watch Sebastian Javinko and Michael Bradley and Josie Outdoor finally. Uh-huh. Which uh, they did not necessarily last year. And we're gonna find out whether they watch Didier Drugler. We will find that out. Uh that'll be interesting to watch. All right. Um the the situation with the national television, we call you know, obviously we'll watch that this year. We we hope and expect and, and just to be clear. MLS did see some growth over the previous uh, ratings from 2014. Bit, yeah. Okay. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was I think it was like seven to ten percent on ESPN, and obviously Fox had a big jump over NBCSN, and Unimas had a big jump over its its previous years of games. And I expect if they're all up again this year, you know, seven at least you know seven to ten percent. I take a ten percent growth rate every year on a regular basis, and I think it'll be a lot more than that. Um, because Unimas has some big games and they've got, uh, ESPN lined up a bunch of its, um, games around the Euros to back onto, you know, broadcast with the Euros to do twin bills and stuff like that. I think that'll jump the ratings quite a bit. It may lead to a drop in 2017 because you're not going to have some of those tie-ins that you do this year. And I right. think we might have to remember that. Yeah. But I think, I think there's room for a pretty substantial jump on ESPN this year. We'll see. Okay. I, I pushed this longer than I planned to. This is fine. It's all good and fascinating stuff, but I got, I got callers I want to get to. Uh, so a couple of things. First, the, the local television situation. I just lamented the fact that MLS is a local league, but as long as it's going to be a local league, you want the local television deals to be strong. You want the performance of, of the, the ratings to be relatively strong. Um, any, any particular interesting stories out there right now? You and I, before we came on, I mentioned Columbus. I think they've drastically improved their their television situation, from what I can tell. For those for those who don't know, uh, Columbus's deal is with the local Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, which is only available if you have Time Warner Cable, which not everybody in Columbus does, right? To a significant degree, 
and people were hemming and hawing about that for good reason. Yeah, and it's a geographical situation. Right. Um, right. It's not. It's not like you can. You have a choice necessarily. You, you have to sign up with the the cable company that has the contract with whatever your locality is. Go ahead. And and they broke through this year and got all of their games in addition to being on that Time Warner channel simulcast on various over-the-air stations around the market, depending on what week it is. They did very well. I'm a little worried that not every New York City FC game is going to be televised this year. That's interesting. I've heard they. I've heard that right now there's a couple of them that are not lined up for broadcast. I've heard they will be when the time comes. Uh, I know a guy. Uh, Let me ask that guy. I'll ask uh, that guy. Yeah. I, <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. we'll find out about that. I mean, th- that maybe is, is that a danger of, of partnering and being involved with the Yankees? And yes, because, uh, you know, obviously the Yankees are going to take precedence on that. Is that, is that an issue there with, yeah, with, with say the Yankees have enough other stations they can, they're, they're, they'll get it done. I've heard they'll, I've heard they'll be taken care of. Okay. I just don't know where. And, um, I'd still rather probably be on the S network than Sportsnet because, at least the Yankees can – well, I mean, the Mets technically can land on other stations too, but I I think they'll be fine. To my knowledge, there are three teams in MLS that have not yet announced their local TV deals for the year. They are San Jose, which usually ends up on their Comcast Sportsnet affiliate. They are Los Angeles, which has this huge deal with the Time Warner station out there, and I don't know why they haven't announced it yet because they're usually one of the first to do so. And Houston, which I'm getting a little worried about. Huh. Because they've got, I believe they've got a root sports station down there now. Uh-huh. They used to be on the Comcast Sportsnet affiliate that went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And that caused a lot of headaches for the Astros and, and the Dynamo and a lot of other teams. So I'm a little worried about them, but the rest I'm not. Okay. Um, but one, one club, and it's, I, I only remember this because it's local and, and I've heard you talk about it before. One club that always takes forever is DC United. They got their deal not this done. year. Okay. Just give me some details there. Uh, but they are back. In their old home, News Channel 8, which they were on when I was growing up in D.C. Man, News Channel 8. <laughs> um, and they're also going to have a number of games on the ABC affiliate locally. Which that's I, good. That's obviously a good thing. Uh, yeah, News Channel and, and that, that isn't, by the way, the ABC affiliate down there has a long history of embracing soccer. Uh, and I think they'll do very well with that. Okay, so we, we'll see with that. For anybody who doesn't know, News Channel 8 is, that is that, that's te- that's technically a cable channel, right? Right. It's a it's okay. a cable local news channel, which I've always been amazed has stayed in business. I know, and I, having grown I, up. I, down and there, and, and look, I don't want to hate on anybody doing good work over at News Channel Eight and, and covering local stories, but I've always felt like it's about two steps beyond public access sometimes. Oh um, yeah, but sure. <laughs> you know, good sure. for good for DC United uh, getting their deal done. All right, uh, last thing here. Um, you know, we're talking about television and, and we are, that's, a tra- that's tra- the traditional place for people to go watch their sports. We know that television revenue still drives so much, uh, and will have a large role to play in MLS and the growth of the league going forward. And we talked, you and I have talked about the, uh, the, the pressure put on by the broadcast partners, um, onto MLS to, to spend their money. But MLS also drives a lot of revenue through their streaming platform, and the reports are that they had 60% growth in MLS Live. What does that mean, John? I have no idea, and I'd sure like to know. Okay. <laughs> it means nothing until you tell me 60% of what. This is true. And, and th- that's not something they're, re- they're revealing yet? Or Correct. They don't, they don't want to? I mean, obviously... I've asked them plenty of times over the years, and we'll keep asking. Okay. All right. It, it's great. And, and, and I don't know that Chris Schlosser listens to this show. I don't think he's ever. I think he does. Okay. Hi, Chris. Can we get some numbers? <laughs> it's okay. Uh, look. Well, I got uh, a television event for you. Copa America is going to be a television event. 
Yes. Yes, it is. It's, uh, the only person it's going to cause a headache to is me having to file a story on deadline in Santa Clara on the opening night at midnight Eastern time when that game ends. Yeah, well, uh, the, the, we, we didn't really get a chance to talk about the schedule. Um, 9.30 start for the U- 9.30 Eastern time start for the U.S.-Columbia game to kick the tournament off. That's yes, on a, on a Friday night, right? On a Friday night. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see what kind of what kind of business television-wise that, that game does, but, but certainly we expect that tournament to be overall a success, John. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yes. Uh, so we actually want. Uh, if they happen to invite Gianni Infantino over for a couple of games, I think he might like what he sees. Okay. There we go. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fox broadcasting Copa America Centenario. Another referendum on Fox's coverage. Don. Um, you know, I, I think that if you're being, for being fair to Fox, they've 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 progressed pretty mightily since I we. Think they've done very well. Yeah. And I, I, I think, think I think that the. I don't know how this has happened, if it's just been by coincidence or what, but the soccer people have been sort of left on their own to do what they want to do. And as long as that remains the case, then I think that they'll be in pretty good shape. And I know a lot of the people behind the scenes there, as we, as a number of us in the media industry do, I'll give you the names of three people who, or four people. I'll give you a lot. Okay, fine. People who do very good work there. Shaw Brown, Jeff Strauss, and Ben Grossman, who, who produced the games either in studio or from the truck, and that is for U.S. games, MLS games, Women's World Cup, a lot of it. Uh, I hope they're listening. And uh, David Neal and David Nathanson, who are the sort of the top executive guys running the soccer operation over there, and as long as they get left to their own devices and as long as Rob Stone stays in that host chair, I think they'll be just fine. So there you go. Jonathan Tannenwald, philly.com, at the goalkeeper on Twitter. Uh, let me just say, 2016 is going to be a, an incredibly fascinating year, and uh, John is one of the must-follows, must-reads out there, uh, covering everything from, again, the union to national television to uh, to the business side of the game and beyond. John, thank you very much for the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Of course. All right, there goes uh, John Tannenwald. A little bit longer than normal, but that's good. We got a lot of information squeezed in there. Now we have some time to talk to you. Soccer Morning phone calls coming up right now. Stay where you are. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, phone lines are open, 646-832-3909. I've lost the jacket. It got a little warm in here. There's lights and stuff. I'm sweating. It's almost like I'm playing soccer, but not really because I'm not getting any exercise at all. 646-832-3909. What is on the top of your mind this morning when it comes to... Is it it DC United getting robbed in Mexico? Is it... um, is it the Champions League tonight in CONCACAF? Because we've obviously got a couple of situations where the MLS team is up against it. DC United down two goals. Now, the, the situation for the Galaxy is, is a little different in that maybe we can imagine them overcoming not scoring in their first leg and and, and, and needing a, to, a goal on the road in order to go through. I mean, although you can, look, they could play to another goalless draw, go 120 minutes, 
and go to penalty kicks. And wouldn't that be fun? Not really, considering that game's at 10 o'clock and I'll be up really late. I'd like to get sleep some point. Yeah. So whatever happens in Torreon, I would like L.A. and, and Santos to promise me they're going to let me get some sleep tonight. Because here's my problem. As much as I've said on this show, this competition doesn't matter. And I really do believe that. Until until other cl- countries are competitive in this tournament, it doesn't matter. I still watch. It's it, it's still soccer on a Tuesday night when what else do I got going on? I mean, I guess I got work to do. I got I got a kid to watch. I got I got stuff, you know, I got stuff going on, but it it's still it's still soccer on a Tuesday. You can't pass up soccer on a Tuesday. I think it's a law. Like I don't think it matters what the game is or where it's coming from. If you find it, if you're aware of it, you have to watch it. Otherwise, you turn in your soccer fan card. Yeah, I'll, you know, the rest of the world is going to be focused on politics tonight. Like, everybody else is going to be going nuts over Super Tuesday, which is happening right now. In fact, my kid is here in the Soccer Morning studio because the schools are closed because the Virginia primary is happening, which I'm not a registered, I'm not registered with a party, so I'm not voting today. But that's why my kid is off. I mean, sitting here, I'm watching him eat a pickle right now. So uh, people are going to be talking about politics, especially those of us who have to have to either take our kids to work or take a day off in order to watch watch our children. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. That's the phone number here at Soccer Morning, uh, which you can find at backheel dot com. We had some website issues; those are sorted out. You obviously can go to iTunes to get the show. Uh, look for Soccer Morning and type that in. Uh, if you give the show a rating, that's cool. That's nice. That's a nice thing to do. Uh, it's the, the, the low, the, the background. What is it called? The image. It's like an album image or something. For some reason, it's got my picture on it. I, I didn't ask for that, by the way. I, I just want to make it clear. I didn't ask for my picture to be on there, but there it is. <clears throat> uh, you can find us on, on iTunes. Yeah. And, uh, give us a rating and a review and stuff like that. Um, we uh so we got uh, we got MLS in the Champions League tonight. Well, let's let's just let's stick in that area with our man Aaron up in Jersey. What's up, Aaron? Hey, how you doing? Great, great shows the last two days. Uh, you know, great people, good guests, um, right? Less less Jason, yeah. more guests. That's the that's the magic formula, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. There, you know, I, I read all their all their articles, so it's uh, it's great. Uh, so hopefully. Uh, you know, we can get lucky with the Sounders and they can pull some, some crazy magic out of a hat and score a bunch of goals tonight and, and the Galaxy can can somehow get through. Uh, you know, just so we can at least, like you said, try to make this competition a little more relevant. I do think you have to get a U.S. team to the finals on a regular basis just to even, you know, get local U.S. MLS town interest going, you know I mean? I mean, like interest right. in their yeah. own team playing in the Champions League. Forget about, like, the rest of MLS. Well, fans. okay, let me ask you something, Aaron, because I've thought about this before, okay? And, and, and look, this is something that's true of Mexico to a slightly lesser extent. I mean, we know the powers in Mexico, and they're not always great. Um, you know, sometimes, so obviously right now, Guadalajara is not good. Um, occasionally, Club America drops off. Um, we've seen like a rotation. Sometimes Cruz Azul is good. Sometimes they're bad. It goes back and forth. 
but it's not it's still not to the level that is MLS parody, right? So we we get some some somewhat consistent performance. I mean the the Sounders I guess have been in this competition a number of times in the last couple of years. The Galaxy are usually in it. Uh, but for the for the most part you, you get a turnover, right? You don't have how do, how do I say this? What I mean is you don't have like the power there's like no, you do there's, in traditional European soccer where you have these big four, five, six teams there all the time. Well, it, and it, then it, when they drop off, it feels weird. Is that what you're really saying? Well, what I'm, I'm speaking directly to the fan bases of those clubs. People who then become yeah. accustomed to this being part of their annual routine and therefore help prop up the tournament. You know what I mean? So um, the Galaxy, again, um, probably the exception. Maybe the Sounders are the exception. Uh, but if you have, you know, next year we're going to have Columbus, uh, obviously the Timbers, um, the Red Bulls, and who won the U.S. Open Cup? Sporting Kansas City. Did they win? Sporting oh, Kansas City, yeah. yeah. So, so we're going to have a new set of teams, and again, it's 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 an issue of whether or not the the lack of consistent performance and and, and participation means that no. No fan base comes to think of this as part of their soccer birthright or what their club deserves every year, and then will support it because hey, we're competitive. Every you know what I'm saying? Like if we don't d- develop that sort of pattern, I wonder if we ever can get people interested. I mean, I think one of the challenges with this tournament is the way we structure in our hemisphere um, schedules, and that you just don't have natural continuity of following a team through a season. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the same analogy, but you know, imagine if like there was like the world basketball finals and they like were played in like September every year, you know, like after the NBA season, I mean, it's just like, it just feels so, you know, disjointed to the normal support that you have for uh, a team. And, and, and to be honest, I think CONCACAF, if they wanted to, and I think they will, because I think there's going to be a fairly radical change, like half the people are in jail and the other half are new um, in the next few years, that these are the kind of things that you can really kind of work on. I mean, you can, you can, you can schedule shift some logical things so that you can put maybe your, you know, quarterfinals and beyond, you know, uh, a lot, more relevant, you know, to a lot more relevant period of the season. Well, for and who? In for some who? ways, almost for... branded as a separate part of the whole season, yeah, but, but which for... can make more money. Okay, and, and I think you're right, and and I think that's probably going to happen, and it's probably a good thing in the end. But I, but the question I immediately have, Aaron, is whether or not, uh, you know, it's the best for everybody, or if we're talking about again, like for me, there's a, there's a legitimate question in terms of the. The, the, via, the, the viability, the long-term viability and the validity of this, co- of this competition, there's a question to be asked of whether or not the competition should be moved and, and manipulated to benefit MLS because that's going to circle around and benefit the tournament in the end or whether or not MLS should adjust to the tournament. I mean, MLS doesn't adjust to anybody. I know <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think, you know, if we're honest, um, and so I think if we're going to talk the adjustment phases, maybe phase one of adjustment is the tournament adjusts to MLS for four or five years and kind of build the base of MLS support. And then, and then, and let's be honest, that probably gives the, the, the space needed to clean up some of CONCACAF's weirdness, especially in the Caribbean and, 
and 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 I would say also allow the investment that's clearly going to go in from FIFA and CONCACAF into Central America, like it always should have had, um, to kind of boost you know the, their profile up. So kind of it, you know it's almost like you're going to do this in stages, right? You're not going to do this. This isn't going to be like the creation of UEFA with all the powers you know ready to rock and roll all day one. I mean, this is going to be I think phases of improvement. You know, maybe the first five years is getting MLS on board. The next five years is getting, you know, kind of Central America on board, you know, and then maybe the last five years is, you know, getting the whole thing, you know, rolling and sold to, you know, uh, you know, other regions. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's the only way this thing is ever going to get, you know, kind of yeah. going. It, it, I, I think that's the only way anything in CONCACAF could work because they're, everything's just too disjointed. Do, do, do you um, get the sense, though, that do you get the sense that CONCACAF is the, be, in part because of the lack of of of, of leadership and 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 certainly of um, trustworthy leadership, that Concacaf doesn't have the stomach for the process. That it, again, this is the this whole thing about calling it the Champions League back in two thousand eight. They they changed the format. They're aping what Europe does. They're calling it the Champions League. It's like they wanted to to grab onto the coattails of of the UEFA Champions League and just ride and and not actually do the work. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. And, but this goes back to yet a great point yesterday talking about, you know, Gelati leadership. And I know he probably bought himself, you know, the rest of his life by, you know, cutting his, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the Medici grand bargain behind the scenes. Uh, but, you know, I, I look at that and I just don't think that's where we need to be in the future because, you know, where, where were these guys the last 15 years or 25 years as, you know, CONCACAF was basically running, you know, uh, Corleone family-like enterprise. I mean, it's it just, you know, to me, uh, you know, if you can't fix your own backyard, how, what credibility do you have to ask others to fix, you yeah. know, hey, theirs? Um, and, and, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish that thought, Aaron. Yeah, and, 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 and I mean, I just really think, and it was a great point about, about the media, and I don't talk about you, but I mean, just in general, we, we do not have a, um, a very mature, uh, soccer media in place, and, and uh, it's great that Fox is promoting the game, and, you know, ESPN, and NBC, and all the usual suspects, but you, you really don't see much pressure put on, you know, any of our American kind of leadership. It, it's almost like in a weird way, the way other countries' businesses want to go into China and just not say anything and just try to, you know, glom some of the, you know, economic pie, we're kind of treated that way from a soccer pie. No one wants to rock the boat because they all just want to, like, magically come in and think that there's this underlying great base of business. I would argue you don't, you don't get a great soccer culture here until you get some maturity yeah, behind it where people care enough about, you know, what's going on, you know, and who's running what, Aaron, you know, I, I, I got, uh, I get, and especially, sorry. Uh, I mean, you're, you're right. I, that's a great point. I got, I got to run. I got to get another Jersey guy on. I appreciate the call, Aaron. Yep. Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, there Thank goes uh, Aaron in Jersey. Let's, uh, let's talk to, to Mark Fishian, uh, who's on the line. What's up, Mark? Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm doing I, good, I, man. Go ahead. You ready for the season? That there's a season starting? Yes, I'm I mean, very, very ready for the season. Very excited. I, I want to offer, I guess, a, a, it was a fascinating call that you just had. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great, extremely cynical, um, <laughs> somewhat negative, somewhat depressing, and that's okay. But, you know, the notion of having the CONCACAF Champions League bend to the will of MLS so we can win is, I think, uh, a little bit of a reach. 
Um, I'm with you. I'm with, but but that that's the thing though. Where who's got the cart? Who's got the horse? And how are things going to be driven in this part of the world? Uh, because sort of as Aaron was was talking, and, and certainly in, as part of that, uh, the assumed part of that conversation is so much of what Concacaf is going to be is built on the notion that there are two markets to be exploited, right? To the to the full. Right. And it's it's the United it's it's the United States and Mexico and, and to a lesser extent right. Canada, but but we know that Canada gets lumped in with us. Those two countries are going to dig even if they don't have the power in Concacaf. Certainly, the people who are running the the confederation know that if we don't if we don't bend again bend to the will or bend to the to the schedule or bend to a, a an advantage for one or the other or both, we're not getting as much money out of these competitions as we possibly can. There's a reason the Gold Cup happens here every year. I mean, every time out. And that's not no, changing. Uh, of, co- yeah. of, of, of course. I, I think the question is, um, obviously, it's one of scheduling dates, right? Do we start this tournament uh, in a date that, at a time that's advantageous for MLS clubs or not? I mean, that, that's really the key issue. I don't know how early the, the four MLS participants, how much earlier they were able to start training. But if I'm... Uh, if I'm Garber, I'm pushing those teams as soon after Jan 1 as possible to get them into camp and to have them scrimmage each other in order to, to get them ready to play. I mean, this is yet another year of underperforming in this competition. And I don't know, is anybody surprised that two, two draws at home and two losses on the road, given the fact that these no. teams really came together six weeks ago? I mean... That there should be no surprises for anybody in the results that we've seen. No, uh, um, especially not based on on the historical uh, performance of MLS. And, and and I mean, you speak to something I've been railing about for for about a, um, for a couple of weeks. I mean, especially since the first leg last week, uh, Mark. And that's whether or not MLS really does give its teams or push its teams in the right direction when it comes to this competition. I, again, to me, everything short of Hey, here's ten million dollars across your roster to spend to compete, or here's you know here's a schedule now that now lines up with this competition is as a half measure when it comes to this thing. It, it's MLS doing what they always do, which is wanting to have their cake and eat it too. Well, goodness gracious, damn them for wanting to have their cake. no. It, but 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 Mark, it, it, it's again. I think the league suffers. By perception, every time they make a big deal out of the CONCACAF Champions League and then their teams fall flat. And I don't necessarily blame the teams because, again, the schedule is not lined up. Okay, maybe you don't advocate for an MLS schedule switch just because of the Champions League. Um, but, but certainly, if you're going to make a big deal out of it you're, and you know that that's a, dis, a significant disadvantage, then you're just setting yourself up to look bad. And the same thing goes with the spending. If you know you're at a significant deficit, especially involving depth against the Mexican clubs, you're setting yourself up for failure if you're not willing to actually compete with them. Is it? This is, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know, Mark. It just, it just, it, it, it's disingenuous to me. It just feels disingenuous. All right. Well, I mean, you can argue with all the gam and all the tan that there are steps being taken in the right direction. If the um, it would help if, if I could understand union. those steps, Mark. If I could understand what was actually no. happening. By the way, I did not make a big deal out of this when I should have. The most MLS trade of all time went down late last week. 
And I, yes, it was Am for Tam. It was tam yeah, tam. it was one of the Ams for the other Am. It was Tam for Gam, <laughs> and it was like, what are we doing? Vans were furious. No, I wanted more Tam. I don't understand. I mean, uh, you know, the well, only, listen, the only way, if, ahead, if the players' union hadn't been able to, you know, basically didn't surrender, there would have an opportunity to have a little bit more. Uh, a little bit higher of a salary cap and a little bit lower of these gams and tabs. It's a brilliant solution for MLS owners who are able to flow more money into uh, their organizations without actually yeah. having to pay a whole lot of people a whole lot more. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. But again, I, I would like to get away from the cynicism and the negative feeling for a minute and just talk about um, the notion of, quote-unquote, the comment that Aaron made, we won't have a real soccer culture until. There is a very vibrant and real soccer culture in this yes. in this country, and yet there yes. are a million different things that you can criticize, and I think a lot of the grousing and grumbling and even more than that, railing against Jurgen Klinsmann in the last 12 months has really seen uh, a bit of emergence of true soccer culture, the kind, frankly, which Klinsman has been advocating for so long. Well, I think that um, this that, is, Mark, Mark, and, and you know this, you've been around for a long time, maybe Klinsman is only learning it. I know he's lived in the U.S. for 20 years. I, I don't know how closely he was paying attention. <laughs> but certainly as, you know, look, we, we get locked into our particular our, our particular channels, right? Our, our, our particular lanes. We get locked into our soccer cultural lanes in this country. This is not this the soccer culture in the United States is as unmonolithic as any soccer culture in the world, and yep. that makes it hard for us. I mean, it, it it's like it's like trying to uh, you know trying to look in thirty different places at once. You can't do it, so we get lost and don't necessarily you know when when Aaron says it, I don't necessarily blame him for saying it, but clearly what we have instead of not a, a a real soccer culture is a real soccer culture in 30 different versions that we don't have the ability to 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 throw all together and actually move in the same direction that, that's it right uh i i don't know if i would call it 30 but i mean when when the national team plays okay uh obviously people come and, and pull together whether it's league versus league whether it's youth versus adult whether it's you know, uh, development academy versus pay for play. I mean, there, there, I agree with you that there is a very, very fragmented support in this country, um, except during big international tournaments when you put on the new ugly, uh, crest and the new ugly shirt yeah, but, but, and you cheer for your team. But, but you're kind of, you're kind of pointing to, you're, you're kind of going in with my point here. You're, what you just said is except for big international tournaments, then you point to the United States. Meanwhile, there's a vibrant American soccer culture that is rooting for Mexico, and there's a vibrant American soccer culture that's rooting for El Salvador and the Gold Cup. I mean, you know, and, and you can't even lump all of that into, oh, that's Spanish American soccer culture, because it's not even that. There's seven different areas that that's different from each other, where they're not, they're not even connected and, and, and uh, homogeneous. I mean, it's, that's what I'm saying is, is we can say there's a, an English language soccer culture that can be somewhat accounted for in a big international tournament situation when most of us are rooting for the United States, but you and I both know people who grew up here, have played soccer here, um, are American as apple pie, who choose instead to root for Germany. Do they, where, where do they out fall? Of many, out of many, one is our motto. So <laughs> that's 
Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I'm not arguing with you, Mark. I just, uh, you know, sometimes I think, sometimes I think that that uh, I don't know. I, sometimes I think a lot of things, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, very excited for Sunday. It's going to be great. Um, opening day is always terrific, and uh, unblemished records and high expectations. Uh, you know, it's it, it. This is what it's all about. Very excited. Mark Vishkin from Seeing Red, the uh, the award-winning, I don't know if you actually won an award, but it should, the award-winning podcast <laughs> covering the New York Red Bulls. Uh, Mark, appreciate the call, man. Be well, sir. Yeah, Bye-bye. That was uh, Mark Vishkin. Always good to talk to Mark. I felt like I was arguing with Mark, and I feel bad about that. I wasn't trying to argue with Mark. I am simply making sure, trying to make sure in my own ridiculously forceful way, that we are aware as, no matter who you are, that that, that we as soccer fans full stop, in the most general sense, are aware that under that umbrella are so many different stripes that, again, if if we're connected, I mean, if you're an MLS fan and a, a Premier League fan, that's fine. You're connected. Those things are connected. There's a, a bridge between them. But there's 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 a lot of different lanes here that aren't connected. There's no there's no cross streets sometimes. And we don't we don't we therefore forget that those cross those other lanes exist. All right. And then we don't account for them when we talk about soccer culture, and then we're leaving people out. And that's not just about like it's it's not right to leave people out. It's also about how we move forward and whether or not those you know who's the stakeholder. I don't know. That's a whole thing. Okay, I'm not lecturing here. All right, let's wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Thank you very much to Jonathan Tannewald, my man, showing up and talking uh, union and TV and the like. We will uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of. Soccer morning right here on backheel.com. Thank you, producer Trevor. Oh, and Friday. Friday, the MLS season prediction extravaganza returns. Do we have a name for that? I forget. About 30 different people, or however many we can fit into the show, will give us their MLS predictions. Be there. We'll be here tomorrow. Then be there on Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.